Hi, everyone. This is Tech and Ed Tech. In this podcast, we discuss technology that powers education and improves learning for all. Welcome to today's episode. I'm your host, Dan Gizzi from Magic Ed Tech, and our guest for today's podcast is Louisa Rosenheck, Director of Pedagogy at Kahoot. Louisa, thanks for joining me today and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Uh, We'd love to hear just a little bit about your background, uh, you know, what brought you to Kahoot and a little bit more about the company, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. So uh, my background is in ed tech design and learning design and especially how to use games and playful learning to create um, learning experiences that really go beyond conventional pedagogies and create ways to learn, ways to transform learning that are more student-centered, creative, playful, that can uh, empower students and build more future-ready skills, 21st century skills, those kinds of things. So um, I worked, before coming to Kahoot, I worked at MIT for many years um, doing design development and research of learning games, simulations, other kinds of playful technologies. Uh, So really thinking about how do we not just move learning online, but how do we transform learning and make um, use technology that can give students opportunities to, you know, create their own their own experiences and um, explore their own interests and connect with each other in in meaningful ways um, by leveraging technology. So um, I worked on on a lot of exciting projects for for those years at MIT. And then um, a little over a year ago, I transitioned to industry coming to Kahoot. Kahoot is a learning platform. It's used in many segments in at work, higher ed, K-12, and even for social users in at-home settings. Um, And it is especially well-known, I would say, in K-12 settings. Teachers and students are um, very enthusiastic about Kahoot. Um, it is a platform where you can, anyone can create and host, um, sort of online quiz formats, but it's much more than that. You can teach with slides. There are open-ended questions. So it's also kind of an interactive presentation tool. And what is really, um, I think the magic of Kahoot, if you are not familiar with it, is the social aspect, social learning. It brings people together. It makes them feel like they're a part of something bigger um, and they can, uh, you know, everyone sort of has a, has a say. Everyone can do their, answer their own questions and their input shows up on the, on the big screen, but they um, are also a part of a whole class experience. So, in bringing my, my past experience to Kahoot, uh, my aim is to help uh, the teams kind of expand how they think about playful learning, game-based learning. How can we make it more open-ended, more creative, um, and also more inclusive so that students have more different ways to learn depending on um, how they learn best and, and their comfort levels. Thank you for that. That's great. Um, and uh, digging into my past here, I love seeing the word pedagogy having been a dinosaur in the education space. And that was a word we used very often, almost every day in, in, in conversations from a sales perspective, selling English and, and the soft sciences. So I love that you've got that there. And then um, I can actually say I, I, I have used Kahoot during presentations in my training days as well to 
bring the engagement to the crowd um, to make it more of a awesome. you know, less yeah, of the sage on the stage approach. So I'm, awesome. I'm familiar with your your tools. I'm glad that you were able to give that intro to the audience as well. They're not dinosaurs like myself that have heard the word pedagogy before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's interesting, you know, the word, as you say, in teaching, everyone thinks about pedagogy. Um, in, in other realms, they may not know the word pedagogy, but they do think about it, right? Anyone who's designing an experience that has anything to do with learning, really, that's what they're thinking about. Pedagogy is not just what we teach, but how we teach it, what kind of experience. So it is experience design, it's UX, it's learning design. It really is related to all these things. No, that's great. Uh, just to kind of transition us a little bit, I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the game-based learning that you're doing there at Kahoot. Um, you know, it's been another topic that's been around in EdTech for a while now. I'd love to hear some of the innovative things that um, you and your team are doing around game-based learning and, and you know, potentially around, um, you know, how you conform, say, to accessibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, there are so many different kinds of game-based learning um, at this point, which is very exciting. Having having worked with learning games for years, um, I love that schools, teachers, parents are really um, embracing them much more and, and adopting all kinds of different learning games. Um, you know, one, one distinction I like to make in learning games is there are games that are designed and developed specifically for learning. And of course, there's many different kinds within that. Um, And then there are also teachers that teach with commercial games, entertainment games, but that use those as an experience and then um, do all kinds of learning activities, whether it's in the game or around the game. Um, So there's really there's so many different ways to incorporate games into into teaching and learning. Um, At Kahoot, one of the things that I have been um, kind of helping push on and and think more about is when it comes to the the style of game that we offer on the platform, um, this sort of quiz game, uh, sort of game show style where in most cases the teacher is hosting the game and all the students are participating. Um, you know, how, how do we make sure that it's an inclusive learning experience? So For a lot of people, they already think of Kahoot as very inclusive, which is wonderful. Um, It does kind of give everybody a voice and include everyone in the classroom. But uh, so it gives everyone an opportunity to be included, but that doesn't go quite far enough. It doesn't mean that um, that all students really feel like they like Kahoot is is made for them or that any specific uh, game that's created, Kahoot that's created uh, really works for them. Um, and there are many reasons for that. You know, a lot of the way people use Kahoot is based on speed and accuracy, and that's fun for a lot of students, that friendly competition, but not all students. Some students, um, you know, it's a little bit too much stimulation. There's too much going on. It moves too fast. Um, some students just would would shine if there were more different ways to express themselves, more different ways to answer questions. Um, and, you know, when, it, when we think about inclusion uh, in the work I'm doing right now at Kahoot, we have somewhat of a focus on um, neurodivergent learners. So this could be students with autism or ADHD, but really any number of, of different ways of thinking and ways that their minds work. So what we have, we have one project that we're working on right now, um, which is really thinking about how, what are some small changes we can make to the Kahoot experience? that would give 
more different students, more more ways to to engage with it um, in you know ways that suit them. So kind of more flexibility, more customizability. And this project, I can I can talk more about it later. But this project is funded by the Lego Foundation. Um, it's a we are part of an accelerator called the Play for All Accelerator, which is really exciting because it means that there's a whole cohort of companies that are thinking about how to um, make their experiences more inclusive in in multiple ways on multiple levels. That's great to hear. I think you know, especially from an inclusive and engagement. Um, you know, when a lot of the gaming was being talked about in education, um, I come from a higher ed background originally. You know, it was finding its way into the curriculum. It was finding its way into. Um, you know, um, more of just that leaderboard type of approach. And, you know, it tend to have that opportunity before we were talking about inclusiveness of uh, mm-hmm. exclusivity, you know, keeping people away from from wanting to be involved in that if they were not, uh, you know, accelerating in the class, for example, or if they found themselves lower end on the uh, leaderboard, it was more of a deterrent than a help at the time. So it's great to yeah. hear, you know, how that's being uh, thought about and more importantly implemented uh, is particularly mm-hmm. on the K-12 side where, you know, there can be that apprehension, even just the technology in the classroom. Yeah, right. And I think it's great that you brought up leaderboards because, yeah, that is one of the one of the sort of most common elements of gamification. And it doesn't always support the best kind of learning. So exactly one of the things we're trying to think about in this project is how can we um, create some kind of, you know, alternative to a traditional leaderboard that recognizes more different ways of of being successful, recognizes students' uh, varied strengths, right? Not everybody answers fast. Not everybody knows all the answers to factual questions. Some students have more creative ideas. Some students maybe express themselves better through drawing, so how can we both provide those opportunities in a game for students to express themselves and share ideas and how kind of leverage the, the classroom community through the technology to also celebrate those strengths? So let's look into the crystal ball for a second. Let's say three years from now, we've got uh, one-to-one in the classroom and you know we're at a point where hybrid is actually working well in K-12 beyond just thinking about how we have to adapt, say, for a pandemic. Mm. You know, what would you think, you know, obviously being on the forefront of this, what's the future for gaming and learning? Sure. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things. I think one thing I'd love to see more of in, in learning games and in uh educators adopting games for learning at at all age levels and grade levels is more student voice. So this could look like, um, this could look like students choosing what games they want to learn with. Um, You know, if they're really interested in, for example, ecosystems, there are some amazing ecosystem simulation games they could play. If they're really excited about history, there are some wonderful, um, you know, historical kind of uh, storytelling uh, games that narrative games that that they can play, and then um, one thing I think that's really important to keep in mind with you know, so many games out there nowadays that are great for learning is students can choose uh, what they what they play, how they learn, just the way they might choose a book or another kind of resource. And then I think what's really important in in teaching is the reflection on on that learning. So, you know, what did you learn? What were you surprised by? What um, how can you demonstrate your learning? Is it designing, you know, 
a, a, a mod for the game or a new level for the game? Is it writing a new narrative in the style of this game? Is it you know, leading a, an exercise for your peers that, that to teach them what you can learn through this game. So a lot of um, giving students more voice and choice in, in game-based learning can also come from the, the learning activities and reflection that happens outside of the game. So it doesn't have to be just you play a game, you practice a skill, and you're done, right? It can be using the game as a jumping off point, as an experience for students to explore their own interests and demonstrate learning in ways that are important to them. Um, and another area that is definitely coming up more and more, and I would love to see um, in the future, is students creating their own games. Um, there are so many tools for this now. There's more and more coming out all the time. Um, and it really fits right into the kind of metaverse idea and the creator economy and, and all of these things where, you know, people are more and more empowered to create content. And there's no reason why that can't start um, start young and and be done in school as well. And students are already playing games; they love games. So, uh, for that reason, I think games is a great forum for for all of this to happen. I love that creator economy line. I think you know they mm -hmm. they all at this age and all think they're going to be YouTube stars, right? And not have to worry about anything in the future. I, I I've got an almost 10 year old who's already told me he's going to be a YouTube star. So I'm hoping yeah. it works out for him. So yeah, that's right. uh, I, his college fund can go to other things. Yeah. Right. Even if they, you know, don't end up with a, a YouTuber career, but uh, those, those skills, those kind of creative skills and, and experimenting with different modes of expression, communication, that'll serve them in so many different ways. And uh, a lot of times conventional schooling doesn't address those skills. So all of this, you know, stuff around, um, creativity and and content creation and learning through games, it can really support a lot of these future ready skills. From an educator and uh, again, putting the parent hat back on again, you know, how would you say it's been accepted, at least, you know, say in the classroom and beyond the classroom for, for the game-based learning, um, you know, just as things have changed over the last, say, three years? Um, yeah, I think over even, even, you know, longer than that, over the last decade, I think things have, have changed a lot. Um, I remember when I started working on learning games, we had to be very careful how we described them to teachers because you know, some teachers were totally on board, but a lot of teachers and especially administrators too, and, and parents as well would think, oh no, games are not, games are not meant for the classroom. That just shouldn't be here. So we would call them, you know, interactive simulations and things like that. And I just love how games have become much more mainstream. People really understand their value a lot more. Teachers are, are, are seeing the benefits of, of teaching with games for engagement and student, uh, students being excited about it and for the kind of uh, deeper learning that can happen, exploration, problem solving, all these things that are sort of natural to games. Um, and then I would say in the past few years, you know, with the pandemic, um, I think it has been a sort of a mix of both more trepidation, more worry, especially in the, the lockdown months where students couldn't do a lot of things. So they may have spent a long time in, in games like Fortnite, Minecraft, and a lot of parents have concerns about that. But I think at the same time, a lot of parents are also realizing, oh, there is value to this. You know, it's a social experience. It's, they're not just zoning out in front of a game. They are actually connecting with friends in ways that right now they can't do otherwise. And in a lot of these games, they are creating and building and collaborating. 
Um, so I think in the during the, the pandemic years, there has definitely been both a little bit more worry and also more more recognition of the value. I think that's great to think that this that connection can happen across the world in, in that situation where they don't even feel like they're learning, but they are, and it's getting mm-hmm. snuck in there. Right. The gaming approach. Um, the, the, before we transition here, the one last thing I saw was you know from beyond just thinking K twelve for a second, you know, obviously thinking around say workforce skills and the continuing education of the learner beyond um, the classroom experience. Is that something you can talk about as well? You know, say the training aspect of that, or is that yeah, something you touch upon in your in, with what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So there are also more and more great technologies being used in higher ed and in corporate learning settings, adult learning. I think they are they're often more in the vein of simulations rather than games. And again, you know, there's. Often it's a fine line between the two. There's, they often have more in common than they have um, differences. Uh, So regardless, I think, you know, there's a lot of kind of scenario based simulations where where you're, that are very hands-on. So you're put in a situation and um, you have a context. Often it's a realistic context based on your workplace or your field. Um, And maybe you have to make decisions or grapple with, you know, difficult situations, or maybe it's very um, skills-based and you have to, you know, go through certain procedures to make sure you know all the protocols and things like that. So there are definitely um, different kinds of skills that can be built through these these types of simulations. And um, I think that, you know, just like I was saying in, in K-12, these kinds of experiences are super powerful because they're immersive. Um, you can kind of choose what you want to learn, what you want to practice. It feels hands-on, authentic, and relevant. And the I think one of the most important parts of learning through games and interactives is the reflection. What happens afterwards? So for adults, uh, just as much, if not more, I think they really need to not just play the simulation or the game and say, okay, I learned that. I've I've got my certificate and I'm done. There really has to be more reflection on, okay, what what did I learn? Um, what else? What do I still need to practice? How has this gotten me started? But how, and how does this transfer to the real world? And you know, what other resources might I find now that I'm excited about this topic or this this area? And who else can I connect with to think deeper about how this applies to our own context? So, I think that um, in in corporate training and adult learning, it's especially important to consider that transfer. How do I take this and adapt it and apply it to my own my own workplace goals and culture? So to take your own transfer of knowledge, you know, what advice do you have for ed tech companies and educators that are listening to our show? Yeah, a um, couple of things. So one one thing I would say is this idea of the, the learning that has to happen around the game, right? So it's not just here's a game, you play it and you're done. It's also creating maybe it's bridging curriculum, maybe it's resources for teachers um, about, you know, the pedagogy around the game. So how can we use the game in the best way to to build important skills? And um, the other thing I really want ed tech companies to all be thinking about, uh, again, is accessibility and inclusion. Um, and I'll say there are, there are two different types of kind of accessibility and inclusion that I, I like to distinguish. And one is um, more in the UI, UX, so accessibility of like, you know, can 
um, when people who have different abilities, can they read this? Can they see it? Can they hear it? Um, can, can, what kind of, you know, fine motor skills are needed? Are, are there different input devices that can work with this? Um, so all of those kind of more, more tangible, practical aspects. And then in terms of, um, inclusion for the learning design, like what is the experience? Um, does it give learners different ways to express themselves, different ways to, um, to engage and, adapt the experience based on their own needs, how they learn, how they think, how they, how they express themselves, all of these kinds of things. So uh, both in terms of kind of UI and experience design, um, it's really important to think about all learners and make it as flexible as possible. Louisa, thank you for joining me today for the latest uh, Tech and Ed Tech podcast and for all of your insight and everything that you're doing for all of the learners as well. Um, we appreciate your insight and look forward to you and our audience joining us in future podcasts. Sounds great. Thanks so much.